Welcome to Sleep Cues, the everything baby sleep podcast. I'm Erin, pediatric sleep consultant and founder of The Happy Sleep Company. From catnaps to night wakes and regressions to teething, we cover all things baby sleep. With a passion for children's sleep, we're here to help tired families get healthy rest. Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. A little bit of a special Q&A Tuesday for you today because very recently, our own Lauren, who is a pediatric sleep consultant working with the Happy Sleep Company, she went on the sleep coaching journey with her own little guy, Noah, and she talked to us about it so that we could story about it on Instagram. I got lots of questions over Instagram about her journey with Noah, how sleep coaching was going, how she was doing it, loads of questions about that. So I thought, let's take some of those questions and make today's Q&A Tuesday specifically about those questions I got about Lauren's experience getting started with sleep coaching and really sort of a sleep coaching episode of the podcast of the Q&A Tuesday so that I can answer some of the common questions that come up with regards to starting sleep coaching. Here is one of the first questions I got. How old was Lauren's baby when she started sleep coaching and what's the earliest you can start? Lauren's baby, Noah, is just about four months, and I would suggest the earliest parents start with more formal sleep coaching is 14 weeks earliest. When a family comes to us in the newborn stage, certainly we can give them some guidance, we can give them some ideas to get started with healthy sleep in those newborn weeks and months, but if we are getting to the point where we're getting out of the newborn stage and we're really feeling like some sleep crutches have developed, we're doing a lot of rocking to sleep, replacing a pacifier all night long to get baby back to sleep, and it's really taking a toll on parents and they want to make a change, I would suggest that those changes go best after about 14 weeks. So that's the earliest that we at the Happy Sleep Company start working with families, but Lauren's baby Noah was four months when she decided to get started. The next question I got was, was Noah using any sleep crutches before they started sleep coaching and what were they? For sure, he was using sleep crutches. Because the thing is, if he wasn't using sleep crutches, we might not have even needed sleep coaching. Because a baby who doesn't need any crutch, like feeding to sleep or rocking to sleep or a pacifier to go to sleep, they may very well just start sleeping those big, long, restful chunks of sleep at night on their own, be going down independently for naps, maybe even starting to take longer naps and connecting their daytime sleep cycles into those longer daytime naps. And you might not even need formal sleep coaching. However, most of us use sleep crutches in the newborn stage. It's just normal. It's called survival mode. It's called, this is how my newborn will get to sleep most easily. And I'm exhausted and I'm learning to be a parent for the first time, or I am learning to be now the parent of an older child and a baby at the same time. And I'm just going to do what works most easily for me and for my baby in those early weeks and months to get us all some rest. But then what we often see is that what we did in the early weeks or months becomes that crutch. Feeding to sleep was easiest. Rocking to sleep was easiest. It would get our newborn to sleep most quickly. But then often parents will come to us when they're getting out of the newborn stage around that 14-week mark saying, hmm, 
It was easier in the early days to do this, but now we do see it becoming a crutch. Our backs are really hurting from having to constantly rock baby to sleep. Our evenings as a couple are non-existent because one of us has to be in the room for an hour or more getting baby to sleep. We are exhausted because we're up many, many times at night because baby doesn't know how to get themselves back to sleep when they wake at night. And when parents come to us, that's where we would say, okay, so we do have some crutches that have developed. Now's where we're going to work on sleep coaching to help baby learn to sleep without the sleep crutches. So in Noah's case, he was using a pacifier and being rocked to sleep. That's what was working for Lauren in the early days. You know, she has an older child. She has her preschooler, Bo, and she was learning to be a mom of two children for the first time. She wasn't learning to be a mom for the first time because she had Bo, but she was in a new situation where, you know, I have two children to take care of now and this baby will go to sleep really easily if I rock him with a pacifier and he's a newborn. So let's just do that. But then she also recognized around that four month mark that she was ready to make some changes because now she was more frequently replacing a pacifier, feeling like she wanted more time with Bo, her older child, which was being taken up by a lot of time rocking to sleep and feeling like, you know what, I think our family is ready for a change where we want Noah, the baby, to be able to go down more independently so that mom can get some more sleep at night, so that mom and dad can spend some more time with their older child instead of spending so much time rocking to sleep. So that's when she decided to make that change. So his sleep crutches, that was a long way to answer the question of what was he using any crutches, but yes, pacifying rocking to sleep. He was feeding several times overnight as well. The next question is that Lauren talked a lot in her stories that she shared on Instagram about providing Noah with extra support when he was upset during sleep coaching and when she's not using the sleep crutches like the pacifier to calm him down. What did that support look like? Great question. I shared a bunch about this on Instagram and if you go to the Happy Sleep Company our Instagram account, you're going to see a highlight with all of the information about Lauren's journey. But in terms of what the support looks like, that's sleep coaching. That's your sleep coaching methodology. That's where you decide as a family what you're going to do, what you're comfortable with in terms of removing those crutches and teaching your baby a different way of going to sleep. As Lauren shared about in her stories, she decided to use a sit in the room approach for bedtime and for any night wakes and more of a leave and check or timed check-in approach for naps. She shared that she did this and and at the Happy Sleep Company, we often will do this if we're in a situation where baby doesn't have a lot of familiarity with going into the crib with their eyes open. And now we're going to be putting them in there with their eyes open without their sleep crutches. We will often take a sit in the room approach for bedtime and the overnights. This means that we will have a parent sit in the room with the baby the whole time until they're falling asleep and gradually work away from that during our time together. Then we need to talk about what that support looks like when you're in there because we want to be supportive. We want baby to hear your voice. So there are some words that we're going to make sure that we're saying and offering and making sure that baby can hear that you're there, is aware that you're there. There is touch so baby can feel that you're there. If your baby's really upset, there are hugs, you know, there are pickups and hugs. That's what that support can absolutely look like. But you got to be careful about being overly stimulating as well. We don't want to be constantly talking, touching, 
shushing, chattering, singing, you know, picking baby up, putting them down, picking baby up, putting them down. If we're getting into that, we might be getting overly stimulating. So it is very much a balance where we don't want to just leave baby alone with no support for huge extended periods of time while they're learning such a big new skill. But we also want to be careful about being overly stimulating and actually keeping baby from learning what we're asking them to learn, which is self-soothing skills and keeping them from more peacefully going to sleep. So it's about that balance. That is the approach she took at night. And during naps, she shared that instead she took a timed check-in approach. There are a couple of reasons we might take a timed check-in approach for naps with a lot of families. Number one, even though a sit-in-the-room approach is really great for many families for nighttime, for many babies for nighttime, it's often too stimulating for daytime. No matter how cave-like you get your child's room, no matter how much you've listened to me talk on Instagram about how dark is best for baby's sleep, it's usually going to be brighter in the room, even a little bit brighter during the day than it is at night. So already we have a situation where baby is a little more alert. They can see things a little more, see a parent in the room, for example. They can look around their room and see what's going on. They're already more alert and easily stimulated in the daytime than they are at night. There is less natural sleep pressure during our days than our nights. So we do sometimes find that a sit-in-the-room approach for a nap might be too stimulating for a lot of babies, and we might be more inclined to take a timed check-in approach. And that's what Lauren did for nap. So that meant that she was leaving, but she was frequently checking back on her little one, making sure he wasn't left alone for huge extended periods of time without her going back to remind him she was there for him, give him a cuddle or some words or some touch. So that's the approach she took for naps. The other reason we might consider taking a timed check-in approach for naps, and Lauren is a good example of this, is if you have an older child. So If you have an older child and you can't commit to both caregivers being at home for every nap for a couple of weeks, somebody's got to take care of your older child. So if there are going to be times when mom is at home on her own, for example, with a baby and a preschooler, which was the case for Lauren a couple of times during sleep coaching because her older child had to stay home from preschool because he was sick, Mom can't commit to a sit-in-the-room approach with baby. It's just logistics of life. Mom needed to be around to watch her three-year-old and keep him out of trouble or entertain him. And we don't want to take an approach where sometimes you're taking this approach for naps and other times you're taking that approach for naps. So we want to pick an approach we know you can be consistent about. And if you are ever going to be at home on your own with your baby and your toddler, Generally, a sit-in-the-room approach is not one you can be consistent about because you need to be there for your toddler too, so we would be more inclined to suggest more of a timed check-in approach. So that's some background on that. The next question was about naps versus nights and sleep coaching for one or both. Is it best to work on naps and nights at the same time or to establish nights first and then work on naps? We at the Happy Sleep Company always recommend that families work on both at once. If you're starting a sleep coaching program, you're starting some big changes, sure, you can absolutely start at a bedtime, and I do recommend that because it is when there is the most sleep pressure, so things are probably going to go best with starting with the time of day where there is the most sleep pressure when we're implementing all of these big new changes. So start at a bedtime, deal with the overnights with your new methodology, and then start naps the very next day. Certainly, there are people who would disagree with this. There are accounts you can go on that would say, nope, work on nights first and just keep rocking baby to sleep with the pacifier all day. And then at night, work on independent sleep. I disagree. In my experience, when families come to me who have been only working on nights and not working on naps, they've been working on nights for a long time and they haven't seen a lot of progress, which is why they're coming to us. 
So the reason for this is because your baby's probably a little bit confused. We have to expect that if your baby is rocked to sleep with a pacifier, for example, all day long for every nap, and then we place them in the crib awake without a pacifier at bedtime and ask them to fall asleep independently, we have to expect that your baby's going to protest that. Your baby's going to say, hey, three times today you rocked me to sleep in your arms, and now you're putting me into this crib with my eyes open asking me to fall asleep on my own. Or asking me to fall back asleep on my own without that rocking in the middle of the night when I wake up. I don't understand why that is. I'm confused. All day, every day, you rock me to sleep in your arms. I'd really rather continue to do that at night. I don't want to do this independent sleep thing at night when I know the other thing is still an option. That's what's going on with baby if we're really struggling with nights while we're not working on naps. That's why we recommend we work on everything at once. We help baby understand one consistent way of going to sleep, and that's independently using their own sleep skills. A parent there to support and reassure them, offer guidance and love along the way, but treating each sleep scenario the same without sleep props because then the protest generally goes away more quickly because the protest around sleep coaching is related to your child being unfamiliar with this. So we want to get your child familiar with this, comfortable with this, confident in this. And that happens when every sleep situation looks the same and baby isn't confused about what to expect in any sleep situation. That's why we recommend working on naps and nights at the same time. Final question. What feeding method is Lauren using? Do you find breastfeeding versus bottle feeding makes a difference in terms of sleep coaching success? So I asked Lauren about this and she said, no problem. I can answer that. I'm a pretty open book. She is currently exclusively breastfeeding. She did supplement with formula a few times in Noah's first few months due to a bit of a supply drop when he was a newborn. But after some lactation support, she was back to exclusively breastfeeding by the time she started sleep coaching. And no, I don't find that breastfeeding versus bottle feeding makes a difference in terms of sleep coaching success. We work with tons of families who are exclusively breastfeeding. We work with tons of families who are exclusively pumping and bottle feeding. We work with tons of families who are exclusively formula feeding via bottle. And we have success with all of our families. There is no reason in my mind why a child who's breastfeeding wouldn't have as much success as a child who's bottle feeding or vice versa. Of course, we have to take into account, for example, if there are currently supply issues with a mom who is breastfeeding. And we want to make sure that those are sorted out and everything is on track before we start sleep coaching. But if your breastfeeding relationship is firmly established, there should be no difference in a baby's success in sleep coaching between breastfeeding and bottle feeding. Certainly, if a mom was having supply issues, we would ask her to chat with a lactation consultant before sleep coaching. And if a parent is having supply issues, it doesn't mean we can't do sleep coaching. It just means maybe we're more likely to keep a night feed as part of sleep coaching. So many times as part of sleep coaching, we're ready to remove night feeds altogether and have baby sleeping all the way through the night. In other situations, we do need to keep an overnight feed. Those situations would generally be A, a baby is not quite tracking where their doctor wants them to be on their growth curve, and they have a little bit of a weight concern remaining. We would keep an overnight feed as part of a sleep program in a case like that. Or if mom expressed that baby was a super healthy weight, but mom had had a lot of supply issues, drops in supply, difficulties maintaining supply, and she was still working on that, that might be a situation as well where we wanted to keep an overnight feed to manage those supply issues. So that's where some extra tweaks might come in for some breastfeeding families versus bottle feeding families. But to answer the question of 
Do we find one or the other makes a difference in terms of success in sleep coaching? Absolutely not. There's no reason that we can't teach one baby or the other to have these great independent sleep skills to get rid of those sleep crutches, help baby learn to fall asleep independently, and therefore help baby sleep those bigger, longer, restful stretches at night and in the day, no matter how they're feeding. So those are the top five that I pulled out about Lauren's sleep coaching journey. I hope that was helpful. Like I said, head to the highlight Lauren and Noah's sleep coaching journey at the Happy Sleep Company on Instagram because that's going to answer a lot more questions and give you a lot more insight into that journey. We also have other episodes of the podcast where we have interviewed different parents who we've worked with on their sleep coaching journeys. So you can check those out to get a better idea of what that might look like. And you can always reach out to us if you want to have a free 20 minute phone consultation with the Happy Sleep Company and talk to us about your baby's individual sleep challenges and what sleep coaching might look like for you. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening to Sleep Cues, the everything baby sleep podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave a review, and share this episode with a mom or dad who might need some rest. Connect with us on Instagram at The Happy Sleep Company, and check out our website, thehappysleepcompany.com, for loads of blogs, sleep guides, and information about how we work with families one-on-one to get sleep on track.